Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Today I will do the final Psalm, at least on my side, for this whole season, and it will be Psalm 107. It is a rather long Psalm with 43 verses, so I shall divide it into two segments, the first from verse 1 to verse 21, 22, sorry, and then the second from verse 23 to verse 43. I think this is a very fitting end to our series of podcasts on the Psalms because it talks about the work that God really does. But rather than just looking at the work that God does in our lives, I want us to fix our attention on what God does through the church for the lives of the many whom he redeems. This psalm has the title, Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. And you know there are songs that are written about this. There's a song called Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. There is another one um, that talks about the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. So this psalm is a psalm of thanksgiving by those who have been redeemed by God, by those who, a song written also for those who have seen and witnessed God redeeming others. One of the questions that I ask is, does God redeem people in a vacuum? Sometimes he does. Sometimes when a person is in deep trouble, he comes personally and delivers the person. But all too often I see a different way of God doing it. He sends people and he sends church, the church that is the city of God, that brings in the people and then allows God to do the work. Now, it doesn't mean that the people of God are doing the work, actually. We are allowing God to work through us. Now, when I say that, then, what I mean is that we are not the workers of the miracles. So often when we do work, we think that we are the ones who are working the miracles. We are not. We are the ones who allow people in distress who need redemption to come among us. And then with prayer, with gentleness, with gentle sharing with them. We allow God to work in their lives in an environment of love. And that makes a big difference. So often I've tried to help a drug addict. I've tried to rehabilitate a drug addict or someone in need. And I failed miserably. But that's not my calling nor the calling of any of us in the church. Our calling is to provide that nest, that environment of love, and then allow God to do the work. And so let's go into Psalm 107, and I shall then talk more about these, uh, about what God wants to do, what God is doing. 100, Psalm 107, verse 1 to verse 22. Let us pray. Father, speak your word deeply into our hearts. Allow us to know that we as a community, as a church, are your city, are your place of ministry where you work powerfully and lovingly through us. Allow us, Lord, to just let you in to do your work, not to interfere, not to, not to presume that we are the ones doing it, and yet be very open to, with our doors, with our hearts, to allow you to do the work. Help us, Lord, to understand this psalm as you speak to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 107 Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands from the east and from the west, 
from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert ways, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their heads down with hard labour, they fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord for their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm begins with, as I mentioned earlier, words that have been made into songs. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Remember that song? Forever he is faithful, forever he is good. And then in verse 2, let the redeemed Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Again, songs have been written of this. And gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. What we need to recognize once again is that God is at work every corner of the world to every nation and every color and every tribe. God is, does not leave anyone out. And this lesson was very deeply um, engraved in my heart one day. Um, that was 18 years ago when I was in my first posting at Agape. And in those days, we had these forays into HDB flats where we gave out love gifts. Um, remember bringing rice, I think, and then there was bread. And one day, one Sunday, we were doing the bread distribution. And in those days, there were it was a lot of sensi religious sensitivity, the religious harmony bill and all that. And we were very conscious of how we would be perceived as reaching out to certain religions and certain races, particularly to the Malays and the Muslims. And so we had this policy, when you distribute your bread, leave out, avoid the Malay households. Every time there's a sign that this is a Muslim household, just skip it and go to the next house. We did that very conscientiously, worried that we would contravene some law or other. And so after the bread distribution, it was a great, it was a very successful distribution. We met many people who welcomed us to their homes, wanted to chat with us. And I had gone with my six-year-old daughter. On the way back, uh, while I was really beaming about what we had done, my daughter suddenly started to cry. I asked her what it was all about, and she said, You know, Dad, when we went from house to house, I noticed that you skipped every house that had a Muslim sign 
uh, sign that they were Malays. And then she said, does it mean that God does not love them at all? Why did you leave out all these homes? This lesson cut me deep in the heart. While we are worried about laws and not offending people, and we should never offend people of whatever race and whatever religion, it does mean that we cannot leave anyone out in our attempts to ex express God's love for them. Sure, we will do it very tactfully, we'll do it very carefully and gently and sensitively to every person, whether they have a faith or not. But we must let it stay in our minds and our hearts that God does not leave anyone out at all. Every person is a person whom God will redeem from the north to the south, from the east to the west. And therefore, our church must always be open to everyone. We will not say, well, because we can't convert these people, we will not show them love. Well, that's, that's really wrong. But rather, we will open our doors and say, whoever wants to come, whatever faith or no faith, whatever religion or no religion, just come and experience God's love for you, from us. And so then, let's look at the three situations in this half of the chapter of the psalm that describes the people who were in distress. Verse 4 says this, Some wandered in desert ways, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in the trouble, and He delivered them. He led them into a city to dwell in. In this first segment from verse 4 to verse 9, I'm reminded of the people who search first because they're hungry for hospitality. Walking in the desert is both metaphorical as well as literal. It is a place of barrenness. It's a place of poverty, of hunger. And what these people need is both food for the body and food for the soul and the spirit. And often they come together. The very poor are looking for people who will feed them physically, but also people who will care for them and allow them to know that God loves them. And so the first thing that comes to mind is our need to look out for the poor, for the needy, for the hungry. In whatever ways we can, we want to welcome them into our midst, that we may give them at least one hot meal, one good, satisfying meal, if we can't do more than that. James tells us that um, what's the use of telling a person, be blessed and be fed and be clothed when we do nothing for them. And so, so often before we can tell people of God's love for them and how God fills their souls, we need also to fill their stomachs. I thought of our Sunday lunches. And initially I was afraid that there would be, we would open a floodgate and people keep coming because they're hungry. But what if we did that by faith and by obedience to God and knowing God's heart that He would want to feed people too? What if we did publicize a little bit through our friends, the word of mouth? We tell people, hey, you're hungry? Come to our church, have a meal. I did that with one of our migrant workers just two days ago on Sunday night. And I realized that, yes, inflation is cutting into their budgets with the new GST and all that. It gets really bad. And while we cannot give them more money, just one meal would ease them of a couple of dollars at least that will help them a little bit. And so why not if we are reaching out to migrant workers in a dormitory near our church and if 
some of them really need the money, why not invite them into our church, have a meal with them? I think we need to open our eyes to see what God is calling us to. You know, one of the problems that has infected churches worldwide is the search for well-off, high-net-worth people. You know, many churches really seek out the very rich. I do not say that we should not seek out the rich or bring them into our church as well. But if that's our purpose, I just had a conversation a few days ago with a few senior, very rich, very, very rich people uh, not from our church. And they were talking about the mega churches that were doing well. And they said, you know, the biggest and richest churches have very strong backers. They have high net worth people in the church. And I thought about that. It's exactly as James says, suppose a rich man comes, will you give him favor? While a poor man comes, you push him away and get him to the corner. That because of our need for funds, because our need worry about getting resources, we often turn to the rich and treat them better, hoping that they'll stay in our church and give us more money. I would welcome anyone, a rich person, a poor person, because we believe it is God who gives the money. If God inspires a very rich person to bring the money, sure. But God could as easily inspire a thousand people, poor people who give a few dollars to come in and, and provide the provisions as well. God could provide in any way he wants. And so we do not keep looking out for rich people who will bring money into the church. Rather, we look out for all people who God will bring, and many of whom are hungry and in need of food for themselves. Bring them in. Let us feed them at least, if not for many meals, just one meal a week. And I think that would be doing a part. But the second part is to feed their souls, because that is so necessary. And so it's not about just bringing people in and feeding them food, or bringing people in and feeling good about having fed them. The more important part is that their souls are fed and satisfied. How do we do that? We simply share our testimony, share of what God does for us and God has done for us. How is it a hungry soul is one who needs security, who needs to know that God supplies. A hungry soul is also one who is lonely and needs to know that they are not just an accident of God, but our God has a plan for them, has a future for them, that our God watches over them very carefully because he has a destiny for each of them. That's what a hungry soul longs for, that they are important to God. Basically that. Not just one in a trillion people, useless, unimportant, poor and neglected. But that every person, that each person is the apple of God's eye, treasured by God, that's what they need to know. And so as they come in among us, um, we could just share with them about how to pray, simply how to ask God, and then slowly introduce the Bible, what the Bible teaches about God's love for them. Sometimes they can't read the Bible. That's fine. We share with our lips. We share from our hearts what God does for us, what God can do for them as well. They need to be filled and satisfied in their souls, in their lives, in their spirits. Let us have this attitude of welcoming people in, feeding them, sharing with them that they are very important to God. That's the first role of the church. The second thing that God does 
for the for people whom he redeems are first found in verse 10 to verse 16. And it's the people who sat in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. These are people who have sinned and have then fallen in the trap of the evil one. Talking about addicts, not drug addicts, but normal addicts of all sorts, people who gamble and have become enslaved by their gambling, people who have been enslaved by their temper, by their lust, people who find that they have lost controls of, or control of their lives because something, some force has taken over and imprisoned them. It could be a workaholic. It could be a person so addicted to wealth, to making money that nothing matters to them except how much money to make. Could a per be a person who is addicted to pornography and is unable to control himself anymore. Even a person who is addicted to internet games, once again imprisoned by their sin, by their addictions. But some are also addicted to sin, addicted to telling lies, addicted to anger and hatred and vengeance. These are all people who rebelled against God who tells them to forgive, to love, to find Him, and instead have, have turned themselves, enslaved themselves into habits that continue to control their lives. So we think of these people who, who live very broken and dysfunctional lives, and they come among us. I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that one of the mistakes that we make often is to try to correct them. We don't. Only God will do it and only God can do it. What we do is we allow them to come among us and we love them. And that's far easier said than done. I know that. I've worked with many uh, people in deep addictions and I tell you it's so hard. But our mistake then is to try to change them. We instead turn to God and bring them to God and say, God, while I love this person, can you change and come to them and set them free from their chains? We share with them how God can do it, how God can break their chains, how God can deliver them from bondage, how God can even cast out demons. Uh, that's one other thing. Some people have foolishly and rebelliously given their lives to demons and deities. And they need God to set them free too. We are not superstars. We are not special exorcists. And we don't need to be. We can help them to find the God who gave his life for them. That he might take their bondages and break the chains and set them free. We, our role is to welcome them without fear, without trepidation, nor with false confidence in ourselves. Just bring them in. And then we pray with them and we pray for them. You know, that takes us back to the importance of prayer. When we become a church that is willing to accept people that humans cannot change, it leads us to only one solution, and that is our knees. We need to fall on our knees and say to God, God, these are people whom you promised to redeem. We can't, but God, you can. And we turn to God, who then will help them. 
The third category were those who fools through their sinful ways, verse 17, and became cause of their iniquities, suffered affliction, and they loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord, and he sent out word and healed them. First of all, of course, I think of drug addicts. Drug addicts, when addicted to drugs, can no longer eat. They, they loathe food and they're near the gates of death. And maybe there will be drug addicts coming among us. With them, once again, we turn to God to heal. But there are also others who come with sicknesses, sometimes caused by themselves and sometimes just caused by others and sometimes just natural occurrence. People with cancers, they're not sinners themselves. I mean, they're not people who brought the illness upon themselves, but they too are very ill. And we welcome them into our midst as well. And as we love them, we pray desperately and um, earnestly for them. Once again, it's knowing that it is God who does the healing. We are there to watch God do His work, to provide that nest for them, to deliver them from death, to deliver them, to give them a word of healing, and then to restore them. We need to look at promises of God. Because in doing this work, there will be so many fears. Will we be able to feed the people who come? Will they be so different from us? Can we really minister to them? Will the addicted ones be a nuisance, a liability to our church? All too often we wonder, can they even be of any use to our church? But the church is not just the creation of God, not just the instrument of God. The church is the beloved bride of God. It is the one who looks at what the bridegroom is doing. It is the bride who then says, well, my, my husband, my beloved, is doing this work. Let me just provide the environment, the love, the care for them while the bridegroom does his work. It is my hope and my dream for this church to be indeed the bride of Christ, the one who will minister lovingly while the bridegroom, our Lord Jesus, does his powerful, miraculous work. And that indeed will draw us really close to God because we share the heart of God as we serve God together. I pray then that this indeed will be the paradigm and the mindset of our church. Agape Church, the one that expresses the love of God, our Bridegroom. Let us pray. Father, you have called us to be your Bride, the one beloved of you, the one who adores you, the one who will take care of every sheep, every broken person you bring into our midst, that as you do that mighty healing work, we will minister gently, with love, with care. And Lord, in that environment of love, you will work your powerful work among the broken, among those who need to be redeemed. I pray then, Lord, that we will be such a church, full of your heart and full of faith in you. I pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in again and um, 
really grateful to have had these sessions with you. I think they have blessed me as much, even more than has blessed you. Um, but we will have to end the podcast by the end of November. So um, let's see. I think next week will be my final podcast. And then Jason, Pastor Jason, will end it on Thursday. But not to worry. We will continue to feed you. And starting next year, then we will have the daily Bible reading. By now, I hope then that we will read the Bible together and not just listen to me. And then there will be commentaries, um, devotions that we will write, that we pray also, we trust also, will be a blessing to you. In the meantime, allow God to change our hearts. Allow God to make us people who are hospitable, to welcome in strangers, welcome in the hungry, welcome in those in bondage, and then turn to God to do His work. Thank you, God bless you, and goodbye.